Hello and welcome to D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we are coming at you with a, another C-suite mastermind mentor preview, interviewing Taryn Gatrara, sister of Buddy Gatrara, who I interviewed about a year ago on the D2C Podcast, and they are the co-founders of Bloom, a skincare line. Bunny and Taryn have overseen just some incredible growth with Bloom, and that's why I asked them to come speak at C-Suite Mastermind in September. Taryn focuses on the marketing side of Bloom and has her hands all over the community aspect of the brand, which I think is the most interesting part about it. This podcast covers the most essential aspects of building your community, the benefits of what building a community can mean, as well as what exactly is meant by a community. Does it happen on Instagram? Does it happen on Facebook? Does it happen increasingly on live events as Taryn describes here? If you're able to, I really hope you can come meet us in Victoria, September 21st to 23rd. We are about halfway sold out. So have a listen to this podcast. And if you're in the skincare space, or if you're just any kind of D2C brand looking to build out your community, you're going to want to listen to this one. You're probably going to want to come to Victoria. Hope to see you there. Hope you enjoy this podcast on with the show. Always for Bloom, our owned channels are really good, like our Instagram, our email and SMS, like building that Bloom community. We are really big on retention at Bloom. We have like solid post-purchase flows. We like to do a lot of education. We like to really reward our loyal customers and we're always giving them like perks, free items, ability to test new products, hosting events. So I would say retention is always a really big focus at Bloom. We've had so many pivots in the what we do, but the why has always remained the same. That's my core lesson in my entrepreneurship journey is just staying true to that why and your community and always listening to your customers. So that's why I always go back to community and literally engaging with your community in different ways. And there's so many channels to do that now. D2C marketers, let's get real. How many hours have you wasted searching for brand influencers only to come up empty-handed? It's time to stop spending time searching, scrolling, and haggling with influencers and start using creator marketing with hashtag paid. With Hashtag Paid, you can find your perfect creator match for your brand in less than 10 minutes every time. Getting started is easy. Just select your audience, campaign objectives, pick from a short list of creators, and hit run. It's just that easy. There's a reason why Hashtag Paid is the number one rated influencer marketing platform for D2C brands. As a D2C listener, you can even get credits for your first campaign. Just go to go.hashtagpaid.com slash DTCpod to get started. Karen, welcome to the D2C podcast. Really happy to have you here. Really happy to have you as one of the mentors at C-Suite Mastermind, September 21 through 23rd. And I just wanted to kind of catch up. I I interviewed Bunny in May of 2021, your sister and co-founder, about Bloom's amazing growth journey. Welcome to the podcast. And can you catch us up on Bloom's growth journey since then? Yeah, I mean... Probably so much has happened. I think the biggest things that have been a focus this year um, that we've experienced are a lot of rapid growth in retail. And I would say it's been a much bigger focus for us than it was in the previous years at Bloom. So we are in the beauty category and personal care. And right now we're carried at retailers like Ulta Beauty and Sephora Canada. So those have been big focuses. I would also say product launches. I'm not exactly sure what we've launched since you talked to Bunny, but um, we've launched quite a few products this year. So that's probably also what's been new. What's been your most successful product that you've launched? Oh my gosh. So I would say in terms of new product launches, our most successful 
is very clear winner is Milky Fade, which is a dark spot um, hyperpigmentation spot and scar fading serum. It has niacinamide in it, hyaluronic acid, vitamin C. So it kind of has your all-in-one for the different serums that people typically tend to layer. And our customers, like we were shocked. I mean, we did do consumer studies before we launched the product. So we saw like amazing before and afters. But once we launched to our customer base, we had people sending us like before and after photos from after just like eight days of use that were just incredible in terms of like just fading acne scarring and improving texture. And that product has been selling just incredibly well. Very cool. Does it work with rosacea? That's something that I'm dealing with. And I feel like if I could or is it more of the the, the, the blemishes, like the um, age spots and things? Yeah, so it has a, uh, an ingredient in it called uh, Centella Asiatica, which is like a really calming ingredient and a soothing ingredient. And that actually does help a lot of our customers with rosacea and redness, but it's not the product itself is not specifically formulated for rosacea, but I can send you some and then you can try it out. Nice. I'm just fishing. I'm just always fishing for products with these amazing brands. Let's talk retail for a second. I was just Googling and I saw I saw you in Sephora. I saw you, you know, in all these places. What's been your approach to that in order to get these big wins on the retail side? I think I think your brand is just probably built for these audiences in a lot of ways. The product speaks to this audience in a really in a really great way. Talk a little bit about your retail wins and and what it took to to get them. Yeah, it's a great question. I think for Bloom, it's a little bit interesting because in some ways I would say we did like stumble into retail when we launched Bloom. We didn't even consider Bloom to be a beauty brand just because we had products in period care, body care, and skin care. But then what really took off for us unintentionally, just in terms of like what our customers were gravitating towards and loved, is actually the acne products and the skincare. Just it was the results were just blowing us away and blowing people away. So um, that was kind of the big thing that led to, I guess, um, beauty retailers reaching out to bloom in some way. So I would say for, for some of these relationships, we're really lucky. Um, I think meltdown, (laughs) uh, our acne product as well as a few of our other skincare products really built like a kind of a cult like following, which allowed us to build those relationships. But beyond that, I would say just reaching out to the right buyers and cold DMing them, honestly, or getting an intro where possible. And then just nurturing those relationships, like sending them product to try reaching out. And sometimes it can take like a year, year and a half or longer to even get a meeting. And then of course, like founders who are in retail know getting in is just the first step. And it's really, um, staying in retail and learning to sell your products through those new channels. That is, I would say like the more challenging part and not as easy as like I would have thought. Well, not that I thought it was going to be easy, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a different business than, um, D to C for sure. It's like running two different businesses. (laughs) And from the outside, you know, you might think it's set it and forget it. You create these distribution channels. They, they love your product. I think it's awesome that you'd have some of these people reaching out to you. I think that's a big win. Um, and just really real testament to your brand and your marketing to this point. Um, but explain a little bit what goes into making like the retail, like keep, keep working. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, at least for us, and I mean, we're still learning, we're pretty new in retail. We've only been in retail for about a year, but it's very much uh, like an omni-channel approach. So we're definitely doing more in real life eventing than we would have done when we were just D to C. And I think part of that is just like for Bloom community, such an important piece. 
Um, so we're doing eventing. We're doing eventing in stores. For example, at Sephora, we, you know, go in there and we do like Bloom branded events. So I don't know if you've ever been to a beauty retailer and seen that, but it's just like very engaging. You know, you have um, a lot of testers out. You can do some skincare treatment sometimes, which is really fun. And then um, Bloom also hosts cute dinners for our community, which we call the Bloom Room which is great. And also for influencers. Um, so I would say IRL is like one piece and then just focusing on like our, our typical D to C channels as well is really important, right? Like finding new customers, Instagram, TikTok, social channels, of course, email, SMS. So really all of it, I would say, um, PR, I think in this new environment, it feels like the diversity is really important for marketing. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize that these retail buyers are in your audience too. So like your D to C presence is going to reach these people because they're always looking for the, they're clicking on the same, you know, on your kind of ads because they want to know what the best products are. So keeping that D to C presence is probably essential for saying top of mind with your customers as well as, as the retail buyers. So what does your business look like now? Are you able to say like what it looks like right now? Um, you know, D to C versus something like retail? Yeah. So we're actually about a 50-50 split now. I think when we first went into retail, we were 90% D2C. Huge. That's quite healthy. And that's across multiple retailers. Yes. In the US and Canada. Yes, exactly. I would say our two biggest, like our key accounts are Ulta Beauty and um, Sephora Canada. And then asked you this in the pre-interview, but I'm just interested when I, when I, when I spoke with Bunny um, as, as sister co-founders, I'm just curious, how does your division of labor break down with, with you two specifically? Yeah. So for Bunny and I, um, we handle, I would say, very different parts of the business and it's why we work so well together. We have very different brains. So Bunny is much more operationally focused. She has a background in accounting and finance. So she does a lot of the supply chain ops. Um, she leads up finance. Of course, she works closely with our VP of ops, Amber, for that. And then we do overlap on quite a few things as well, like product. And then for... Um, Myself, I work on marketing, creative, new product launches, our branding, um, like fundraising for the company, as well as um, product is a big focus for me as well. And then also just like, you know, all things marketing. So like influencer, email, that kind of thing. On the marketing side, digging in there, what what would you say is like has been the biggest needle mover in the past year on the on the D2C marketing side? The biggest needle mover on the marketing side, you know, I, I wish I could say there was one thing, but that's, I guess, going back to that diversity point, I feel like there isn't a biggest one thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you a focus for us is TikTok right now. I wouldn't say we've cracked it, but that's kind of a big focus for us. I mean, always for Bloom, our owned channels are really good. Like our Instagram, our email and SMS, like those are just really big channels for us. So maybe I would say those ones. Um, We're still doing paid Instagram ads as well, which is something we've always done. But I would say, yeah, just the community piece. It's like building that Bloom community. We are really big on retention at Bloom. We have like solid post-purchase flows. We like to do a lot of education. We like to really like reward our loyal customers and we're always giving them like perks, like free items, ability to test new products, host, like I said, hosting events. So I would say retention is always a really big focus at Bloom. And so your community exists across your social channels, across your email list. How do you think of community when you think of the Bloom community? It's it's, it's probably across all of these, these places, right? Yeah, it is. Um, I would also say what's been new for us in the past year and a really great way to bring together the Bloom community is live digital events and then the live in-person events. 
Very cool. Talk to me about the anatomy of a live digital event. Is this for the end consumer? Do you do these for aestheticians or things like that? How, how does that actually work? Yeah. So it's basically for whoever wants to come. So we'll usually blast it out on all of our channels. And then for the live digital event, we've done different things. So it could be like a QA and a about our founder journey, as well as like sharing information about the products. We did one to celebrate our birthday. And that was really cute because we were, you know, able to just kind of like have a birthday cake for Bloom and talk about our journey uh, with our community and answer all their questions. And then throughout those live events, we give away prizes and everything. So it's really fun. And honestly, like sometimes there's like 600 to a thousand people that are there. So imagine like, I mean, it's a digital event, but I always think like, wow, like if this was in person, this would be like a full house. So it's really cool to be able to do that digitally. To get that level of turnout on a digital event is impressive. And I think a testament to the strength of your community for sure. When I spoke with Bunny last time, she mentioned something on the horizon for you guys to test potentially was, I forget what network she mentioned, but it was actually like a live shopping experience. And it's funny, I don't, I'll I'll ask if you've actually tested the waters on any live shopping, but it sounds like you've, with these events, you've kind of hacked that a little bit and had your own live events for your community specifically. But have you also ventured out onto any other like live shopping platforms? Yeah. So we have, um, we did Shoplet live. We did, have you heard of, um, super great? It's a beauty app. Mm. So actually that one's been pretty like that's a really cool one because it's almost like a mini YouTube for the beauty community. So doing live events on there has been really cool because they also like pair the founders with an influencer that can come and like share their experience with the products. So that's a really great app. Um, there's another one we just recently onboarded with called Market. I think Bunny did that one. I So I don't really know details on how that went, but I think it w- went well as well. Bunny had also mentioned that when you started off, you sort of definitely had that younger generation in mind, kind of, you know, the Gen Z, the later or earlier millennials, later millennials. Um, But she had mentioned that as you grew, your audience was also getting a little bit older. You were finding that you were all millennials were interested in the product. Is that is that a trend that's continued? Yeah. So when we launched, we launched really to um, serve the Gen Z community and we created products that were for sensitive skin and acne prone skin. But as you know, and we all know, um, A, skin issues and acne don't just happen to teenagers. Um, They happen to all of us. They continue happening. Um, Acne is kind of often a lifelong thing. And so um, due to the effectiveness of the products and like the clean formulas, we had people of all ages drawn to the products. And that's been really cool. I will say though, Lately, we have been attracting so many more Gen Zs, which is awesome. And I think a big focus on TikTok has helped with that. So it's really our customer base spans all ages at this point. Like we have people with mature skin using the products. Yeah. What's been the key? I guess TikTok, I was going to say, like, what's the the key to like tapping into that, into that Gen Z audience, bringing them over? It's really being where they're at. Have you changed your approach? Did TikTok... Being on like on TikTok, I know you said you haven't fully cracked it yet, but are you treating it as differently than you do your other channels? Yeah, yeah. I think you can't really do on like Instagram what you would do on TikTok. And that's why also probably why I struggle with it because I'm a little bit older. And like for me, it's not a native platform to me. It's not as intuitive as like, you know, platforms that I spent time on like Instagram really. But it's so different. Like the way people consume content on TikTok is different. What they're looking for is different. Um just what engages our community on TikTok is different than what would engage them on Instagram. So I think you really have to be thoughtful and platform specific when creating content, which of course is, you know, it's a lot of work for small brands. There's a lot of platforms. So I think it comes down to, okay, what are the channels we're really going to focus on? Because it's hard to do it all well when you're a small brand. 
Totally. Are you putting yourself out there on your? Because I, I remember I, I interviewed uh, Youthtopia's Fiona Fiona Cochan, and she's got you know a hundred videos or so of herself testing the products. Are you and Bunny actually putting yourselves out there on the on your feed? <laughs> so it's so funny you ask that because the content that really um, I feel like we have had such positive responses on a lot of the time is content where we're sharing like the team behind the scenes or Bunny and I's story, but maybe not necessarily in the TikTok format. We haven't. I guess, invested the time in that yet. So that's actually something that maybe you'll be seeing more of if we can, as founders, I think it's just important to carve out the time for the things that are going to move the needle. And I think for a long time where we're like, not sure if that was going to move the needle, you know, would it be better if like influencers just do that because that's like their focus. But I think maybe what we will do is there will be some of that content that we sprinkle in just so that people can really get to know the brand better and build that deeper connection with the brand. Um, I definitely don't think that I'll, never say never, but I probably won't be making hundreds of videos. <laughs> I think there's yeah. for me, I haven't been able to carve out that kind of time. Cause like I said, it's not as intuitive to me as a, like, I'm not a content creator. So, uh, but I'm trying my best. So hopefully let us know what you think when you see some more content from Bunny and I. I will. And I, I think it's, it's, uh, I, I definitely think it's a smart idea to try it just because, you know, if, if I had started this brand, maybe less so, but you, you two are, you know, you're in the right age range. Uh, I was just, you were just saying that you're, uh, preparing for an Indian wedding. Like I think that content right there of you and your sister preparing for an Indian wedding, I think we just could be, could be massive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's my best friend's <sighs> wedding. Um, so we are going to probably try to do some, you know, glowy skin prep and then I'll probably, you know, I'm like my friend, it, she has amazing skin. Um, so maybe I'll get her to take some beautiful shots. Um, I'm just joking. I'm not going to like explode her <laughs> on her wedding, but, um, I think, um, yeah, like for us now with our retail partners, for example, it's really cool because we're when we do the content um, creation with them, like for their channels, it really helps to kind of frame what they're finding is really engaging. And some of that is content around, yeah, just founder or brand specific content. And sometimes it's very much just results based and it's different for every brand, like what's going to land. And with a lot of brands, I think they're able to just lean into that like humor approach. So I think it's just all about testing, finding out what's going to work for your brand. And the nice thing about social channels is you get that feedback pretty immediately. <laughs> so I think that's nice. You can just A-B test um, and just see what's working in real time. Very cool. I feel like so many brands, I think, you know, every, everyone wants this to be the biggest Q4 ever. And I think there's, there's a little trepidation, I feel like about the way the economy is. I'm curious on, on your side, has Bloom taken any actions to sort of reduce costs or, or are you guys sort of full speed ahead on, on the growth lever still? Yes and no. Like I would say we're, we are more focused, I would say on Actually, not more focused, but I would say equally as focused on the retention channels. In terms of growth, yeah, as a startup, it's always a huge focus. I would say what's dialed back is the focus on paid growth. So now we're really, really focused on the organic growth channels and community. What's the fastest growing organic channel that you have? Probably TikTok, just because it's growing at a faster rate. I feel like our Instagram, like, it was growing really fast, but now it's like, you know, just kind of growing at a steadier pace. <laughs> I was just on, I don't know how much work you guys have done on Bloomtopia, on your sort of affiliate referral community, um, but it's great. Like just going on the site, the design of the site is just excellent. What's been the key to make make that work? Yeah. So it all kind of ties into like a larger retention strategy for Bloomtopia. I think it's really about um, making it easy to replenish products, making, making it worthwhile to subscribe to bloom products, you know, rather than just order one-offs. 
And um, I would say, again, like the education and the post-purchase flows are really important for Bloom. Um, with with the Bloomtopia program, people get points for different actions they take and also, you know, for, through shopping at Bloom, attending live events, sharing tweets about the brand. All different actions get rewarded through Bloomtopia. So it's kind of gamified. It's really fun. And then we always have exclusive merch items that people can redeem through the points that they build in Bloomtopia program. What merch item do people care most about? Oh my gosh, the tote, I think. The tote. Well, okay, the tote and the candle. The candle only launches once a year, though. We bring it back at the holidays, and then once it's gone, it's gone. But it smells so good. It's one of the best candles ever, and it's called Moonchild, and it burns for like 30 hours. It's a soy candle, so it burns clean. And then um, the tote is this beautiful, like reusable tote that says self-care is the new going out, and it's really popular. We've had it since we launched. Yeah, it's just very cute, and it's nice because it's eco-friendly. Uh, so heading into Q4 with a bit of a less of a focus, you say, on paid, how are you thinking of Q4 this year? How are you going to try to make it? Are you guys set on making it as big as possible? What what are your, your plans kind of going into Q4? Yeah, so Q4 is always huge for us. Every year is bigger than the last. So hopefully this year is as well. I think my first Q4, I was so surprised. I just didn't realize there was such a natural gravitation towards shopping from brands like ours during that time period. And I think for us, it's a couple of things. It's the gifting, but it's also prepping your skin for the holidays. So people are really engaged during that time. Um, we are dropping a few new launches over Q4 this year, which I'm really, really excited about because both of them have been over two years in the works. So that's really exciting. Um, we're launching new bundles and gift boxes. And then just with this new world of retail, it makes Q4 even more fun, I would say, although it adds to the chaos. But it's so fun because there's different events we're now doing. Um, we're going out to um, Montreal where our VP of sales lives and we're doing some eventing with the Sephora stores over there. Yeah, I think Q4, we're already in full-blown planning mode for Q4. I think every year we start planning it earlier and earlier, just as we grow up as a brand, um, which again, I would say the first few years was a total shock to us. Like it's embarrassing to say, but I would say in like the first year we were planning for Q4 in like probably September, October, we were making the emails for Black Friday and that's just super late in this world. So yeah. You mentioned launches and drops, but as with a product like yours, like, do you actually do uh, drops where scarcity is an issue or do you sort of have like, do yeah, do you leverage scarcity in your product launches or drops? I would say not intentionally, just because for us, like we really try to forecast the right amount of product. It's obviously hard to know, especially with a new product, like how well it's going to do. Right. And I mean, to be honest with you, different products have different interest levels. And sometimes we're, we're bang on and sometimes we're not. So for example, with this new product that's launching, we actually under forecasted. And once our retail orders came in and we haven't even launched the product yet, but we've already gotten retail orders for it. And they like the first set of retail orders wiped out our initial launch to the point where we've already had to place a replan and we haven't even launched the product. So that kind of just gives people like a peek into planning and at D 2 C or omni-channel companies. Um, but that's a great problem to have. And I think it's going to be really exciting for us. Usually in the first couple of days, we can tell how a product's going to do, to be completely honest. There are some products, though, that don't take off right away. And then when people get results or that it's working, all of a sudden there's this word of mouth and then the product takes off, which is kind of what happened with the Milky Fade Serum. Which is the benefit of having that really healthy community that just exactly. creates reverberates, right? And if you and if you if you have scarcity, it's it's you've come by it honestly. And then that gets around too. oh, this product sold out and makes people more interested. Very cool. 
Okay, so you're coming to Victoria, British Columbia, just a, a ferry ride over from Vancouver for our ma- C-suite mastermind. Have you, as as a founder, I, I you know you you've been doing this now, I think for three years or so. Have you built out your network of mentors? Do you, have you attended a mastermind before? Yeah, so I mean, not a formal mastermind. I I have like D 2 C friends that we like get together. We'll do like brunch and we'll do Zoom calls and just kind of like swap ideas. I mean, I connect with founders in the space all the time because it's just my favorite thing to do. I feel like it keeps me sane. And with the landscape like ever changing, it's just so helpful to talk to other founders and, you know, what's working, what's not, and even just other uh, marketing teams. So I'm really looking forward to the Mastermind event. I think it's going to be so much fun. Um, we're about we're about halfway sold out on it now. If you're listening, this is going to go out on Friday. We're about halfway sold out. There's going to be uh, limited tickets. You're going to want to come and meet Taryn. You know, we've talked a little bit high level about people, what, you know, what people might get out of a Taryn Gatrora, uh, you know, mastermind session, but high level, what, you know, I, I don't, I don't, you haven't put together your presentation or anything yet, but, but high level, what do you think you want people to walk away from uh, a session with you with? Oh, good question. I think, um, probably focusing on organic community and brand storytelling, I think that's really, really important. I think for us at Bloom, we've had so many pivots in the what we do, but the why has always remained the same. And I think that's my core lesson in my entrepreneurship journey is just staying true to that why and your community and always listening to your customers. So that's why I always go back to community and um, literally engaging with your community in different ways. And there's so many channels to do that now. And it just makes everything, as we say, reverberate better. It makes your ads work better. It makes your email work better. When you start with this mindset of of creating this community around your products, it just probably makes everything a little bit easier to grow. To grow. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the DTC podcast today. Uh, I'll see you in a few weeks. I can't wait. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumer, all one word, dot co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.